and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we continue to talk about King Lear and why it has endured despite some of its shortcomings. As with last week, this episode is a continuation of our first time using our new microphone setup, so please bear with us as we work out some of the audio kinks. Make sure to check us out at our new home at shakespearepod.com and the rest of the network at ghostlightmedia.net. And now, on with the show. It's been kind of a long week. It's been a long week for me. It has. It's been a long year. It's the 18th of... It's the 18th day of the Did year. I stutter? No. <laughs> it's certainly been a long day. It has been the worst weather day of the year so far. It's been the worst weather day of this winter, yeah. by far. It's like winter decided just to come all at once. So, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Chase and I have a game we'd like to play. Okay. This game is called... Eat that pepper. Uh, I don't know what it not is. Not terribly it's far off. Make Ryan try these jelly beans. This is a Christmas gift that Cassie got for me this year. They are beer flavored jelly beans. <laughs> and according to Chase, they are awful. They are not good. Here's the thing. They, they're correct. How the fuck do you open them? Uh, I got it. They're, it is. It's packaged it's a, in a beer can box, but the top twists off. You need like a. You need a fingernail, honey. You need a fucking advanced degree to open this. It doesn't, no, it does, it doesn't, it doesn't twist. twist. It's just it, yeah. You need a fingernail. Yeah. Just so this, pop it open. All right. So I've got a. So this is Jelly Belly, uh, draft jelly beans. Make Ryan. Jesus Christ! There's a whole bunch of them here. Oh, oh yes. yeah, I want one. All right, good. Make Ryan and Beth eat these jelly beans. That's good because I didn't bring a make Cassie drink this beer beer tonight. Nah. All right. Unless I want to make you drink this are. coffee stout. I I don't. It's like an amber ale. It's real sweet. Malty. Yeah. I'd eat that. I mean, they got the malt. They got the malt in there. You know, yeah. some, you know the malt sweetness. Yeah. Seriously. I'm calling it like an amber ale. All right. Huh. See, Chase. I, I, I had it more like a pilsner. Like, I got a straight, like. Chase spit his out. He did not even swallow it. There is oh, a wow. bit of a. Well, I like that. There's a bit of a, a lager tinge on it. You know, that, that slight bit of sourness you get from. From a, a pilsner or a lager. Yeah, well, that makes sense because those are my favorite kinds of beer. Definitely more of a German. Yeah. A German styled. Uh, yeah. Lager. Got them at five below. That makes sense. I buy a lot of kids stuff there. Yep. <laughs> I, I would love to watch your kids try these jelly beans. They'd probably hate them. Yes. They'd eat the whole thing and then be like, oh, no, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> Why'd you eat it? It's candy. Because it was sugar. I've watched those children eat entire bags of gummy bears in one sitting. And then, like, did you like that? They're like, me. They weren't very good gummy bears. Well, why did you eat them up? It's candy. Duh, mom. Duh. Yeah. It's like a floral almost aftertaste to it. Yeah, they, they got the... They definitely... They obviously used malt syrup. 
If he thinks this is gross, he's never had the every flavored beans and gotten an earwax one because the earwax ones are gross. But I, I think this is going to be my my response to Ryan's favorite game is I'm now going to find just beer flavored candy and bring it in for you. I'll play your game, you rogue. <laughs> don't threaten him I with a good time. Him in this game. <laughs> don't don't, don't fucking threaten me with a good time. That's um. That's awful. <laughs> That's all. Just uh, oh no! Don't do that. We'll be like, don't don't bring him candied bacon. He'd hate that. Mm. Yeah, don't, don't bring me delicious treats, Cassie. <laughs> you know I hate treats. I hate things that are good. Good. <laughs> I can tell that about you from looking at you. Yeah, I do. I look like a person who hates things that are good. You know what I don't hate? King Lear. I don't. Good. I'm in between you and Cassie. That's okay. I do not love it the way you love it. Love it. I do not hate it the way Cassie hates it. I'm in between, which is why I was... Here's the thing. I don't hate it. I just think it's a waste of text space. (gasps) That's worse than hating it? Yeah. Like, for me, when you guys are saying, well, it's not as bad as Pericles. Like, at least with Pericles, there are things for me to get up in arms about there are things for me to tear apart that you I know don't we, like. Whereas what are we what are we talking about king difference. lear oh, for this is the shakespeare podcast my name's beth roars i'm ryan halfill I'm, I'm chase greenley oh that's right we went straight into the business this time yeah we did well, fuck your cold opens beer candy I, king lear. that was beer, beer that candy. was five minutes of cold open you can't say fuck that cold open okay look it was five minutes of me trying to chew through some beer flavored jelly beans <laughs> now the taste in my mouth is terrible <laughs> i don't know if it was made better by the fact that i've been drinking coffee stout so that may have helped it like, probably didn't hurt on a on a clear palate I don't know that I would enjoy the beer-flavored jelly beans as much, but who knows? Because I'm only at your house when I drink. That's fair. I mean... That's the way I prefer you to. Everybody prefers me when they're drinking. You're pretty when I'm drunk. You're pretty when I'm drunk. Look, I have a face for radio, I know. It's true. But yes, yeah, so we have, um, we've got four pins that we wrote down, and I think we should start with uh, this idea of different versions of King Lear, because I've, I'm out of my Norton, and Norton does something with this play that I don't think they do with any other play, which is there are vast differences between the version of Lear that was published in the first quarto and the version that was published in the first folio. Um the first quarto has about 300 lines that are not in the first folio version. Huh. And so what Norton actually did is it published the quarto and the folio version side by side, page by page, so that you can do direct comparisons across the page to the differences between the two, which is why I get sections of it where there are big empty spaces because they've cut on it the out. page. To show, like, and in the other version, these are lines. Like, here's a here's a spot where there are pieces yeah. missing. Well, and that, that I guess that speaks to what what I mentioned briefly at the yeah. end of uh, last episode, which was that in the quarto version, 
it's implied that Albany uh, would Which, be... It just makes more sense that Albany would, since he was already part of the ruling class. Like, he was already... Ruling. Well, yeah, he had already married into the... Lear family. Yeah, he was the last... <laughs> he was last man standing. <laughs> well, there's the King of France, but he stayed in France. Yeah, he Well, that's because this is... this is. Well, the King of France never had claim, because well, Cordelia had already been... Disinherit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and technically, Lear, the mythical King Lear, happened. You know, well before there would have been a King of France or yeah. a Duke of Burgundy or a Duke of Cornwall or Gloucester. Don't, or again, to quote Ryan Hatfield, "Don't come to Lear with your logic." That's true. I would say the the the, uh, the time that Lear supposedly would have taken place would have been you know obviously it's been moved forward but the the Celts would have been in France. Yes, but it is or Gaul, to Norton, depending on if you're Greek or Roman. Um, depending according to Norton, the quarto version was probably set from Shakespeare's draft. Um, it was not the final version of this performance. So yeah. Folio is most likely to be... And that tends to be the one that's actually performed. Yes. Yeah, and the first the first known performance was in 1606. I have beer that old. Typically during 1606. Huh? So... so and, and honestly, I didn't read this this afternoon out of my Norton. I read... My Arden Shakespeare copy, and I'm not sure which one it pulls from, and maybe that had an impact. Maybe, probably not. Well, um, I think that would have been distracting to read yeah. it side by side. Because I remember trying to read this for Stephanie Gearhart's class out of the Norton, and it you have to just focus on like one side of the page. It was presented as a history as well when it was first. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, the the quarto version is presented as a it, history. Well, yeah, it's oh, the, the history, history of, of King, King Lear versus the tragedy of King Lear, um, which is why we get the wonderful joke in Ruby Shakespeare Company about fictional character on the field during the yeah histories. during the histories. We shouldn't do that. By the way, we should once we get through all of them. Yeah, that'd be a good episode. Laura Crawford, by the way, said she would come down if we did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. We need her for that. Yeah, but yeah. So there, are, there are two different versions. Of she had to wrangle the three of us doing it when we Oof. did it for Lionfish. And I think that that's I don't know. I'd, I think it would be interesting, interesting to go through and see actually what the differences are. How much does it actually change the play? Like it makes more sense that Albany takes over. I mean, three hundred three. The difference of three hundred lines is a huge. That's yeah, and they're not. It's not like all together. It's scattered throughout. Well, obviously, but I mean, that's still that's a that's a bulk of. And and well, a lot of it's in Act Five, honestly. Um, that's where I get big swaths of blank space, empty, blank empty space text, on the page. which makes sense because Act Five is kind of hard to keep track of what's going on. Yes, it is. all the time. It's well, a very confusing playback. It's easy to keep track of things when you're just wandering around the moors. It's more difficult when you're trying to do an actual battle scene. Like to take a walk in the rain. He did. He did. Nice to have a howl in the rain without your clothes on. All right. So let's then let's skip over to how is time passing? How does travel work? This play is so confusing. Fast travel. 
Because at one Elder point, Scrolls like, style fast travel. a message to the other sister to let him know that they're coming, and then the sister is there at the first place's castle, and Goneril's not in her castle, she's in Gloucester's castle, and I they're don't using, know where we are half the time. They're using, they're using, I don't know where we're going, I don't know who's where, I don't know how we're getting from place to place, because... But you can keep track of what's going on in A Winter's Tale? Yes! They're using fast travel. They're just cl- they click on the map and travel there. Yeah. And then they're there. That's how it works. It's just confusing. It's a mark and recall. There are very fast horses. And by the time... And Rome's just over there, right? Rome's just Rome over there. Rome is always just yeah. over there. So travel time in Shakespeare land is super fast. We already know this. The, the Look, in the, in the Shakespeare theatrical universe... That Rome is always right there. And that you can get to someone's house before someone else. In France, they, they don't even need you. boats. They just show up in Dover. Exactly. They don't need the boats to get there. It's They're just there. Cross the channel. You just get in... They take the channel. The crossing of the channel between... France and England. People can swim it, so. People can swim it. They used to, like, have a chain across. Yep. And people would get in a boat, and they would just pull across on the chain. But we've also think The first guy had to row. He had to get the chain over there. Yes. But we've also have things like the terrible storms that happen in one of the fucking Henrys and giving birth in between... France and England, like you can have a baby in that time and die, or you could have just like gotten in a boat and pulled yourself across with a fucking people, chain. People need to stop having babies in boats. When the baby's coming, the baby's coming. Also, don't get on a boat when you're that pregnant. That's a good way to get chucked in a waterproof box into the ocean. So, if it's a quick day trip that you can do while just pulling across on a chain. Why are people having babies on the way over here? Why? Why did you literally, as a baby is crowning, why did you get on a boat? It is not that far. (laughs) But the separation. Ten ten centimeters dilated. I mean, I understand it's the reason that Calais is important and that Dover is important. But other than that, meh. Strategic importance when your nearest neighbor lives across the creek. I will tell And you hate each other. I can't admit that the time frame of this play is both important and does not exactly make sense. Not exactly. Okay, the time frame is important and also completely unimportant. So yeah, so how much time passes? Like is is it a year that Lear is allowed to travel back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and have his hundred people and then all of a sudden that's taken away? No, I'm pretty or sure it's right at the beginning. Is it the first thing that happens? Because Goneril, Goneril and Regan don't like their dad. They well, think no, he's spent their whole childhood going, that one's my favorite. I like, I like her the best. Well, no, Goneril and Regan had plenty of time before Cordelia came along, before he claimed Cordelia was his favorite. It's clear that Cordelia is much younger than her sister. So there's a lot of sibling rivalry in this play, right? Well, especially because Goneril and Regan, both they had sibling rivalry between each other, and then they were expecting, like, and they well, hey, at least we're going to get something, and then Cordelia comes along and ruins it for them. So they have a sibling rivalry. They bleed it onto their husbands, which is only vaguely mentioned. Like, we get this tale that Albany and Cornwall are fighting. Like, that there is conflict between them. But we never see them come to blows, because France comes in to fuck shit up first. Well, and I think that they're only going to come to blows is because Goneril and Regan 
each one thinks like yeah. so in my mind Regan is the old no Goneril's the oldest I think Goneril's the oldest if I remember and right. yes she should have gotten the whole kingdom and Albany should have been king yeah but she doesn't get the whole kingdom because her dad decides that instead of having his kingdom pass without problem, he decides to split it into three because that's a good geopolitical, like, nothing nothing helps stability, like splitting up your kingdom. Well, there was no England at that time anyway, so. It doesn't matter if it's England or Turkey. If you split up the nation, it's going to cause problems. Well, I, mean, I think I think his original plan was probably look at India and Pakistan. You know, Pac- Pakistan. Yep. What the fuck is that's Pakis- what we're going with? Pakistan. Yeah, I'm real tired. <laughs> oh, fair. Pakistan. Um, Pakistan. Um, I think his original plan was to like was to yoink shit out from under Goneril and Regan after he was expecting Cordelia to be like, "Oh, I love you so much, Dad," and he was going to give her the whole thing. So. Because if you notice, which if that was his plan is like the supremest of dick moves. Oh, it's a serious dick move. Gonroll gives her whole speech like "I love you this much, Daddy," and he goes, "Excellent, you will receive this portion of my lands." And then Regan goes, "I love you more, Daddy. You will receive this portion of my lands." And so for then, if Cordelia had gone, "I love you most," if what you're saying is correct, then they would have been like, "Ha ha, psych." You guys don't actually get anything, Cordelia. Yeah, it'd have been like the alien in in uh, Force Awakens, and he would have been like, "I will buy the droid for sixty portions." That was a terrible Star Wars reference. Okay, it was a great Star Wars reference. Really your has... no, your attitude is worth one half portion. It's fine. I don't need your weird growing bread. <laughs> that has no bearing on. No, I think, but I, I, I think that that's his initial plan is, is that he's like. I don't think it is. I think he just doesn't want to deal with the squabbling. Well, that he doesn't know fractions because he gave half the kingdom to Regan and half the kingdom to Goneril and had nothing left. No, for he had one. It was one third, one third, and one third. And then when Cordelia says her piece, he goes, "Fuck that girl. She's terrible." Divide it between the two of well, you. Well, she originally out. tries not to answer him at all. Yeah. So he gives out like strict lines of where it's going to be this part and this part, and you're going to get this part and this part. And then when Cordelia says something, he just kind of like throws up his hands and goes, fuck it. Just divide it down the middle. Cut the baby in half. You get half, you get half. She's out. Um, and he doesn't go back to redraw lines. But the fact that he has been pitting these girls against each other. Um, that he's decided to do this in the first place. That, like, that See, is, and that, I have a different view of Lear than that. I think that he has started down the road, like the he started down the road of insanity from there. I don't think he's trying to be a dick. No. No, I think he's trying to do something nice for his three daughters and get them. I, I think he's taken a lazy way out of dealing with their disappointment when they don't get something. Why would they think that they're going to get a portion of it? It's not how any of this works. Well, it doesn't if you're living in a made-up kingdom. I forget we were living in just blase England. Yeah, it's not like real England. It's not like he's fucking Elizabeth. But. He's just trying. He's 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 not being a dick. I mean, yeah, he's crazy. But he's not being a dick. He's trying to give to his daughters equally. But if he had had a son, he wouldn't. Who knows? 
Who knows? That's not a. That's not part of the scenario. He didn't it's have not, a son. It's not. It's not. There but, are ample sins to crucify him for. Let's not make up additional ones. <laughs> I will make up all the sins I like. <laughs> let's it's not, my prerogative yeah. as the reader. I get to interpret, and the author is dead. Incredibly, by like a solid four hundred years. Yeah, Thank a you. good a good four hundred. So <laughs> we've got this sibling group here, who not a single portion of it works. Right, no. none of it works. Um, Cordelia is holier than thou to her sisters. Each of the sisters is fighting with each other. This is not a happy family. Not a happy family. Never been a happy family. And then we've got the other sibling. I think. It de- I think I honestly, on. think it depends on how you play it. I think so too. But I think if it. I, I take a much more positive yeah. approach I, to I Lear see, than... I don't see in any way... This is not a play about how power corrupts. This is a play about how you can overlook the goodness in your life based on what other people are telling you. Goneril and Regan are the wicked stepsisters. Right, but they're not step. No, but I mean, they're, they're, they are... I don't think... like Lear is a doddering old fool, Like right. hence my choice of bearded for tonight. Out of mind. Out of mind coffee stout from Avery. Um, Lear is a doddering old fool, and he's trying to do right by all three of his daughters because he loves them and he cares about them. And Goneril and Regan are fucking bitches, and they fucking, they are terrible people. And Cordelia, the reason she doesn't want anything to do with it is because she knows what they're going to do. And she knows going into the situation, as soon as she hears her dad open his mouth, she goes, oh, fuck. This isn't going to end well for anybody. Well, and she knows she knows that Goneril and Regan are going to shit all over whatever her dad does. And he's just trying to be nice. And I don't like I don't look at it with the same negativity that you guys are both bringing to the table here. He's just a he's just a doddering old man and he's he's like the fucking see, he's I the old king from see, Princess I Bride. Not, I no, he's, he's not. He's not. Though, <laughs> he's not. I he, could buy that interpretation. If his reaction to Cordelia was just, oh, well, that kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. Well, he throws really throw- this game, but instead he's like, no, fuck you! I'm literally disowning you and calling you all of these horrible names. He, throw- he throws a tenter- temper tantrum because he's a senile old man. Yeah, but that—he's a drama he king. Can't be both. Yeah, you can. You can. So you've I- never met my father. <laughs> oh my God, I have though. So here's here's okay. <laughs> You, I think that he... Sorry, go. Sorry. Here's how you make this interesting to me. Here's how you get me on board with you. It's working, Beth. Slowly. You take Lear, and you make him already knee-deep into Alzheimer's at the beginning of this show. That's. See, I've always thought of him as already... Insane. Already yeah. because there. I have seen I have seen firsthand the way that Alzheimer's can take a kindly, you know, old person and at the drop of a hat with no provocation turn into turning on the people that they love. Right. Because they're confused and they don't understand the circumstances of what is happening. And I think if you play it that way, and you play with the three daughters of like we have to go through this pageantry because if of we what don't, going through. and if you play Regan and Goneril, like oh yeah, it's we'll just you know play along with everything, and you have Cordelia being the one going, I can't, 
Yeah, I, behind that, I need to. Yeah, I know, can't. I can't keep playing along. I can't keep playing along, and then you have him switch, like, right. on a dime. Then and then you have him progress further and further and further into it, and have Goneril and Regan right. seeing patience as it goes on. Then this becomes interesting to me. But if you don't do something like that with Lear of that level of seriousness then this whole thing is just tiresome and I can't stand it. I can so, still taste that jelly bean. So so that that is pretty close to how I feel about Lear. In my mind, he's not a doddering old man. He is bombastic. When you read him, when you think about the hundred people, when they talk about how well, you, these guys are can... acting, that they're always out going on hunts and, and doing this and doing that, he's a bombastic man. You can do You can be a doddering old man and still be that. Especially when you're nuts. I guess I don't see that to be the definition of doddering. And that's okay. Have you have you seen uh, uh, the film adaptation of... Uh, shit. In uh, my mind, doddering means like there, there's a weak docileness. I, don't, I guess I, I, I just... I, I, I'm picturing it, you know, like just because he is... You know, he's he's without his faculties, and I guess that's where I'm going with with doddering. Is you know, like that he's. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's without his faculties. I think that he like. Uh, I mean, he largely I, is I've without his some faculties. Who've gone into dementia after a stroke, and yeah. they are like, you'll be having a normal conversation, and then somebody forgets to pass the peas to them, and all of a sudden it goes from a normal, happy family moment to, like this, like evil, like how. How could you? Everything's terrible. Like, and there's, and there's a snap. And there's two because there's there's dementia with paranoia. Yeah, and that's where you get that. And then there's just there is a very docile dementia. There is where it just is a slow, constant fading away. Of Nobody with any kind of mental illness ever presents in the exact same way as somebody else with that same mental illness. Um, but if you look, at oh no, and it's a terrible, it's a terrible mental illness to have that people suffer through all the time yeah hey, if, I, we're not being flippant about what Lear is going no, no, through no, no, no. what i'm saying is i would be more on board with this story if it was directed in a way to really shine a light on how, oh i think i think right. if you if you if you, if you go if you tear families apart oh for sure if you if you go not, full into it yeah and when you helped by the fact that your oldest two daughters are bitches so, well, I say Goneril, Goneril and Rian are terrible people. They are. They absolutely are. And Cordelia is done with the entire family yeah. because of it. And I don't think she's done with her dad. I think she gets to a point of, I, I can't do this anymore. She can't keep doing for her dad what he needs done because she can't keep doing it with her sisters. Right. Well, and there are things... And I think that's, I think that's a large part of what she is trying to get away from is... I'm not going to keep playing this game that I have to play to make my dad happy because I am tired of competing against these two who are just cutthroat and, bitches. And there are things that are said throughout the play that I think really lend to that. Um, Cordelia's asides of knowing what's about to happen. Oh, yeah, um, nothing when, good is going to come of this. When, yeah. when Regan, when he's talking, when Lear is talking to Regan at Regan's house, when he's complaining about Goneril, um, he says something about having given them everything, gave them everything, and Regan very calmly is just like, yeah, and you took your time doing it. Yeah. So there's, you can either play that as just somebody who's incredibly ungrateful, or 
if you look at it as a man who is, like, as long as he's level set and everything is going the way he thinks it's supposed to be, everything's fine. But the moment something just veers off slightly, well, Regan has been waiting for him to give up the power because it's what's best for the country. Mm-hmm. It took a while to do it. He was well into this. Well into this. It's been going on for a while. I, I look at it the other way. Regan's definitely just ungrateful. Right. And and I I like the concept of him being gone when we start. Oh, no, I'm because not disagreeing that with that. Fir- that first scene where he flies off the handle, it makes it make more sense. I think But can. the the way you're the way you're saying about Regan implies that there she cares about anybody's goodwill so other than her own. I And that's just not true. The way that she and Goneril deal two-facedly with her, their father very much feels like somebody who's dealing with a family member who's not all there. Like, yes. You, but they don't, yep, they don't give them just, a lot of lip service. A lot of lip they service. They don't just do it to him, though, is nope. what so you know, the shows ter- that it's that's who they are as people. The terrible personhood of them is not in question. Um, we can see it as they start going after each other. That they... With it before, like he leaves the room. He's not even down the hallway yet. And they're, and they're like, already talking about how they were lying. Who's taking him? I don't want to take him. Cordelia was supposed to take him. So yes, they're very f- glib about their father and and what's going on. And I don't want to excuse their actions because they're terrible. Um, but at the same time, I still think like the tantrums that are being thrown over a hundred men versus fifty men versus like the. King should have his expected red. Hundred men is not too many. I think it. I think there is a point where I am, because of the way I view Lear. There's a point to which I am okay with what the sisters are doing. Like he shouldn't be slapping people in the house. He shouldn't be trying to run Goneril's house underneath her. Well, he's the, he's the king. He's not the king. He is the king. He gave it up. You're arguing with me to argue with me. I hate everything. He's the king. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's but, the king. I mean, he. But everything, everything goes so. Like he's the only one slapping Goneril's servants around. She only gets upset because she's not the one who slapped the servant. Yeah. So. Well, nobody gets to beat up my servant but me. That's supposed to be nobody gets to beat up my brother but me. But. Uh, but I mean, you know, that's. I, you know, it's it's just a it's a different way of looking at it, and I don't think that. Yeah, I think that Lear is totally off of it by the time we even get into the start of the play. And he, I think the fool sees it as well. He has a line there about um, letting go of the wheel as it's rolling down the hill before it breaks you, mm-hmm. um, which is like can't you need to let go of Lear before you die? But can't trying to Kent keep him alive. Can't, and that's because Kent is just loyal. Too, he's loyal. too too loyal. So Ken is one of my favorite. I love Kent. Uh, oh, he's a great. He's an amazing character. I would love to play Kent. His. I mean, I would love to play Lear when I'm like seventy, but I would love to play Kent now. Just, just the when he's in the stocks. I love the yes no scene so much. It was your daughter. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. No. Yes. Like, he reacts to the elevation of Lear's craziness with his own elevation. Oh, he escalates right along with him. I love it. I love it. I think, honestly, 
I like that scene. I enjoy that scene. But I think part of my problem with this show is that I can't figure out how, as a director, you approach it because I don't know how you do scenes like that if you're going to go all the way into the seriousness of Veer's mental state. How do you then, like, have this person who's supposed to be completely loyal to him but is egging him on, even as he's trying to protect him? And if you don't go full into Veer's mental state and you just make him kind of like an asshole, then he's a complete tantrum having asshole who's not redeemable at all and i don't know how you juxtapose that main plot of lear's descent into insanity with all of the like subplot shit that's going on in this show i would like the show if i could cut out all of that stuff you could cut out you can make decent i say decent you can cut wide swaths can i cut out edgar almost entirely no can i have him still be there and have all the stuff with Edmund in the beginning, but then when he leaves, he doesn't become Tom the Mad Fool. He just disappears. No, because he has to save his father. He has to save Gloucester. He so, can do that as himself. No, this is, no, again, I want to rewrite the end as well. <laughs> you can't. You can't do I that. know I can't. And that's Actually, part of the reason you, I don't like you know the what? show. It's, uh, this is... Because I want to rewrite it. This is in the common domain, so you are welcome to. Well, yes. That's that's fair. You're yeah, go ahead, to. but we're going to call it the... Third folio or whatever, and it's not going to be canon. So, right. I don't know. I think you can play it. There are a lot of ways you can play I mean, it, and there you can cut. You can cut large portions of this text. You can streamline the shit out of this motherfucker. You can. So Kent plays with, and you're Lear. not going to lose. You're not going to lose the soul of the work by cutting large chunks of unimportant bullshit. I think that you're cutting a lot of, like, Cornwall, Regan. You can cut a lot of Regan, Goneril, Cornwall, Albany. You can cut a lot of that, and you're not hurting the work. Because the work, what's really important is Lear's descent into madness. And the ramifications of that and what that is... It's if you could you could cut this almost to a three person show and literally do Lear, Kent, and Fool in the fucking moor, and you'll get the soul of the work. How you could do that, and you've ultimately found what is deep in the heart of Lear. Now, obviously, you need you need more than that to do a full play. But the soul of Lear is a naked man in the fucking moor suffering and screaming at a storm, howling at what has happened to him because he can't control anything in his life anymore. And that's what happened. And I am fine. He has he he loses control of himself and therefore everything in his life is out of control. And I'm fine with that, but I think that that gives this play a misplaced subplot. We've talked about that with other shows. I think Edgar needs to be in a different play. I do as well. Oh, Edgar, it, Edgar doesn't belong. So I, I agree. It makes this play constantly at war with itself in terms of what is the point, right. focus, and the tone going to be. Right. So I was talking before about um, sibling rivalry. 
So we've got the three sisters, and then we also have Edgar and Edmund. So you've thrown another sibling rivalry in the middle there. But yeah, ultimately, if you need, could... It doesn't need to be there to prove the point. Yeah. It if it wasn't plot related, like if it wasn't related, if it was, if it was a fucking side quest and wasn't tied to the main plot, you could get rid of Edmund and Edgar completely and Gloucester. Yeah. yeah, you yes, those three. If you take out that Gloucester family, you, you there's not a whole. Yeah, you can do that absolutely. The only thing that Gloucester does is he is a doorman. But you, the Edmund. Edmund is part of the problem because you need Edmund because the the sisters, Regan and Goneril, decide that they don't want their husbands and they want Edmund instead. For some reason. Who knows he's what a, Well, he's apparently very charming. Apparently. So. But, yeah. I don't care if he's fucking Kylo Ren with his shirt off. He's still a douchebag. So. So is Kylo. So is Kylo. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't care if it's Adam Driver with his shirt off. He's still a douchebag. I I care. He seems perfectly nice. I yeah, care. Adam Driver I seems care, like a. I care very much. Why? Obviously, I know you do. Um, <laughs> but I I think that's why reading it through this time, I I couldn't find the thread of what I was supposed to care about because there was so much extra and so much fluff added to this and it was such a slog to get through i will be honest with you i stopped my reread halfway through act four because i couldn't take it anymore oh and that's before any of the like actually and i i totally i totally get that and i i like this play i just also know that there are fucking huge tracks of text that you can Well, and I, I just served as an elector for an organization called Choose to Read Ohio, and I was given 13 titles of YA books to read in a certain amount of time, and I was supposed to vote on my top five. And there was one that I was reading, and it was like the ninth or tenth book of the 13 that I've read. And I just kept, it was not a good story, I didn't like any of the characters, it was a slog to read, and I kept pushing through going, well, maybe it's going to get better. Maybe it's going to get better. Maybe it's going to get better. And I finally got to a point where I had to say, I'm 150 pages into this book. There's 250 pages left in this book. Like, even if it gets better right now, it's not enough it to redeem to it. good enough to have justified the 150 pages that I slogged through? And I feel that way with this show. No matter how good Act 5 may be, is I don't know that it's good enough to slog my way through the other four acts to get there. Act five for me always feels like a cavalcade of tying shit up. Yeah, it feels like, oh shit, I was supposed to be putting a plot in this story somewhere. I completely forgot about that for three Oh and fuck, hours. I gotta, I gotta finish so, this. So this play is less plot and more character driven for me. Yes, but the characters aren't consistently drawn and that's frustrating. You know what it's, it reminds me of? It is the beginning of Harry Potter movie seven. But all of the plot vomit from the beginning happens at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. That's valid. Yep, that's good. I like that. Everybody comes in at the end and is like, hey, this is what's going on with me. This is what's going on with me. This is what's going on with me. Now we're dead. Let's wander through the woods for several... Um, I could. Woods. 
the, the moors. moors. Yeah, no, but okay, but in Harry Potter, it's yeah, let's wander it, through the yes. woods for what could be several years, as far as we can tell. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, what, I think what Chase is referencing specifically is that they got to the seventh movie, and they realized, oh shit. We've done a really bad job in the first six movies of actually finding what's important and putting it in. There's all these details that we have left out of our screenplays that we need to know for this. We movie. skipped all the fucking exposition. Yeah, Is that what you so, mean? Yeah. And so for 15 minutes at the front, we're just going to hit you with all of the facts that you need to know for this movie to make sense. Yeah, we're going to give you all the one, exposition right at the beginning. There's one scene in particular where everybody, after the Dursleys leave their home and all of the wizards show up. It is wizard enters. They say all of the important things that have been happening in their lives over the past six years, and then step aside for the next wizard to come in and explain the exact same. I have to rewatch that movie now. Yeah. No, it totally does happen though. Yeah. So that book seven is a good example of this because I also find the wandering, the rambling wandering, is terrifying. Yeah, I don't like that at all. It does bother me. See, we're allowed to have differing opinions. We are allowed oh. to have differing opinions. Well, of course, the first two... Ryan's not, though. Fuck him. The first, <laughs> the first, the first two books slash movies are straight trash. <gasps> straight trash. Actually, rereading the It does the second... not get any good until you bring Sirius Black in. Chris Sir- Columbus is a very slow director. He is a very slow director. Now, but I the just, books are bad, too, because she I, couldn't write for two books. I just reread the entire. No, I'm sorry, Cassie. I will not. From, from Thanksgiving to New Year's, I reread all of the books. And I disagree with you. They're Having definitely... reread... The second book, I always thought it was just like, oh, God. I, I would never reread that. Why would I rereading it again, I'm like, wow, you know what? This book is a lot better. There's a lot of things that I loved that happened in the second book. There are definitely instances in the first two books that you read them and you go, okay, that is an early writer who has not quite figured out where Straight she's going with trash. things yet. And there's a lot that does read as like early writer syndrome. And I've made notes in my copy about that. But I, I disagree that there's straight trash. There are things. The, the, the second book, the you books, can't have the rest of the series with the second book. The books are better than the movies. Oh, yeah, but the first two movies, hot garbage. Chris Columbus is a very slow director. Yes, but they're still better than movies three and four. <gasps> I liked movie Wrong. three. Disagree on three. Yes. Four is bad. Three is three is the best movie in the entire series. Oh, straight no, disagree on true. that. Not true. Okay, so Order of the so, Phoenix, I think it might be my favorite. Three is the so best for, movie for, in the for listeners, I think five is. I, um, five. I believe Patreon very content. shortly uh, after this comes out, you will be uh, entertained by uh, Cassie and I's. Uh, uh, for our Patreon backers, uh, Cassie and I are going to be reading a couple of Shakespeare scenes coming up here for. Uh, the Patreon exclusive podcast, but I think, I think next time it's time for Shakespeare to do something, we're gonna have to go into the Harry Potter Thunderdome and, uh. Oh, I'm so excited. And actually, like, like, argue this out. Should I bring down my Hogwarts Legos? You can add them to my shrine. <laughs> no, you don't get to keep it. There is I've a shrine. The, uh, there is a the shrine. The bus is in the car. Let's get back to Lee. Oh, yeah. So, so after we've well, diverted a little bit to talk about how bad some of the early Harry right. Potter works are. So, all right. Let's go back. I think. Sorry, I had to drive Cassie nuts a little. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. Beth has been doing it all night. 
It's my. It's your turn now. Let's go over to our perma pins. Let's go into the perma pins. Let's talk about agency of women in this one because there's. Yeah, they have. Goneril and Regan are calling the shots. Yeah. They have plenty of agency. And Cordelia is leading an army. And honestly, Cordelia, she has agency as well. The agency to get the fuck out. Well, she, she knows what she's doing when she, she tells does. her dad to basically fuck off in the beginning. She knows what she's doing. She's yeah. made that choice. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I think that part is clear by the response she gives to Burgundy when he's like, yeah, I'm not going to marry you anymore. And she's like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, cool. Peace. I know, I know exactly. If I end up in a nunnery, fine. I've made peace. Yeah. She's like, she's like, peace out, dude. I don't give a, a fuck. Yeah. My only issue with the women in this show is that there are only three of them. Two of them are horrible human beings, and the one who's decent is barely barely in the yeah. play. Right. Yep. She is barely in the play, and, the, and she's the, the only one who's worth a damn. All of the women die. Um, two two of them die pretty much by each other's hand. Well, yeah. Well, Goneril poisoned. ordered the whoever ordered the actual execution. Goneril poisons Regan. Goneril kills herself. Right. And Edgar or Edmund, whatever, whichever. If fuck, he's got the authority, he used someone's authority. Ed, Ed wrote a. He, well, he used his fucking. He wrote a letter, like he used his fucking hall pass that he forged for the principal's office. And fucking got ordered her death. Cordelia, because that's he's the one who does it, right? And it, he so, orders he orders Lear's death and Cordelia's death. So Just they, so happened they didn't get to Lear. Yeah, they all get to die off camera, which is great. But all of their brought, bodies are brought back to the center stage. That Lear's lost everything: his mind, his daughters, his life. Yeah. So the women, yeah, they have agency. I don't have any strong feminist leanings one way or the other with it. They all act like catty bitches, and this is an episode of love and hip hop. But it's well, and, it and, is what it and is. like the only one, the only one who, like you can even remotely root for, is barely in the piece. Yeah, she pieces out to France, fucking well, and I don't early know that you're on. Supposed to root for anyone. Well, no, you might not. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying like the only one who's maybe for Edgar to take a bath. The only one who's rem- well, I root for Kent. I like Kent. But the only, the only, there's three female characters in, and the only one that you you like mildly is the one that's barely in the fucking show. She's in the beginning, and then she pieces off to France, and then she comes back immediately, gets thrown in jail, mm-hmm. and gets and then dies, murdered. Yep. Yeah, and you get to watch the fucking Goneril and Regan hate fest show, and they're terrible. And you it's know. like an episode of Gossip Girl. It really is. And, and as I don't know what Gossip Girl is, but yeah, I'm sure. And as I'm reading this, and you know, always as a director, thinking about how would I direct this, and I had the thought early on of it would be interesting to direct this and make Goneril and Regan the sympathetic characters. Like the caretakers, the de facto caretakers of their ailing father. They're tired of doing it. They don't want to do it anymore. Make them sympathetic as he descends further and further. But then they start plotting against him and having an affair and taking people's eyes out. And I'm like, I, I can no longer make these. The sympathetic. harshness of that scene is because intense. Because they're trash. 
the harshness because Cornwall is presented for the most part as pretty like stable and then all of a sudden he flips out and he's gonna pluck out this dude's eye. He's trying to he's, 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 well, he's trying to no, he's he's trying to fucking live up to his wife's expectations. I don't think this one's on Regan. I think that Cornwall has some serious issues. I don't know. I'm thinking that they come from his home life. I do too. I think that he he may have been the kid who like murdered squirrels and hid it under the no, back I'm, porch. No, I'm saying that his wife abuses him and that she's driven him to it. We're, we're not doing Macbeth right now. That comes down to a question of direction. I mean, it oh, is. It's totally. It's yeah. totally a question of direction. But there's Do, no is way. he is he is he so henpecked that he snaps and gouges this guy's eye out to try and uh, yeah no. But I, to, I to try and and because his wife, I really don't think has, that's how I would choose to direct it. But I I'm would. interested in seeing your direction of I it. I would. I love Titus Andronicus. I, I would know. direct it that way. But yeah, so the the women in the show may have agency, but. There are two of them that been, cannot make sympathetic, and I have a, a different yeah. problem with that. They've yeah, right. they've been made the most what? They're the driving villains. They're of this they're show. two like, two of is, the most terrible people in the play. What Edmund? We already decided you can completely remove. People. You can completely yeah. remove. You just have to instead of the weird, uh, you know. You have to have Oswald take the role of Edmund in certain places, then of delivering letters back and forth. Because well, and they fall in love with Oswald instead. Something you could you can technically remove the entire Gloucester family plotline, and you can still do the play. So, all right, it's not quite the same, but you can do it. Did you find anything cool with language? Um, no, it's mostly in verse. There's a couple times when like Gloucester and Ken are talking, where it goes into prose, but as soon as the king comes back, it goes into verse. I know there's some singing bits with there's the fool sing, yeah. and with old Tom. So the fool goes into a little bit of the sing song you tetrameter instead of pentameter, but it's all pretty straight. It's forward. it's verse it's mostly pentameter throughout mostly verse, mostly pentameter throughout the entire yeah. play. Adaptations. That's our last term of them. Well, one of my favorites. Season three of Slings and Arrows. Good. Uh, the Canadian uh, comedy about running a Shakespeare festival, uh, similarly related to like uh, Stratford or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's- there's season three, so there's season three was about Lear. So there was a main play for each of the seasons of the show. The first season was Hamlet. Hamlet. The second season was Mackers, and the third season. Was as a way to represent, you know. Like. If you haven't seen Slings and Arrows and you're listening to this podcast, you like Shakespeare, you should probably stop listening to this podcast. Come back, don't worry. That's not what I'm saying. But go Stop listening for now and go find Slings and Arrows and I don't know watch where you can it. find it now though. You can order it on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, I think I think some of it's local a local library. Yeah, I'll say library probably. I bet Acorn yeah. would have it as well. But slings it, go to your local library. Go to your local library. We can help. And it's free. It is free. As long as you bring it back. As long as you bring it back. Vote for the levy. Thank you. I don't vote here, but I would. I always vote for Um, library levies. Always vote for a library levy. I always vote for libraries. Vote Um, for levies. Not all of them. Most of them. When the levy breaks. 
Um, no, um, Slings and Arrows, it's a phenomenal show. And so season one's Hamlet, season two's Mackers, and season three is Lear. And it's it's a progression, right? The 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 progression of the, the male Shakespeare actor. You play Hamlet when you're young, and you play Ham- Mackers in the middle, and you play Lear when you're old. Yeah. Um, I know there's a version with Ian McKellen as Lear. Yep. There's also one with um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Lear. Hopkins is... He did a Lear as well. Real good. Yeah. <laughs> as Lear. Um, one, Anthony Hopkins, I mean, he's fucking real good anyway. But he is real good as Lear. But th- this is one that's constantly done. Like, there's constantly... Yeah. Well, there's always... Somewhere, somewhere in the world right now, King Lear is being produced. There's always some old dude who's like, it's my time. Yeah. Yeah. It's where it's where old Shakespearean actors go to die. And you you've played Shakespearean roles your entire life and you start with the ingenues and you move up to the right, but that- heroes and then you move up to the kings and then you fucking play Lear and you die. And then there's, there's all of that though. Pulls up my Oregon Shakespeare Festival spreadsheet. And Lear's only been done eight times. That's still a good number. I mean, that's a decent number. It is, but it's at the low end of the middle. That's what yeah. one a, one a one a decade. Well, yeah, it's something. But like the maximum number of times the play's been done is sixteen, and that was Twelfth Night and As You Like It. Both of those I'm, are I'm twice both of those are garbage plays. I don't agree with you. We will get to Twelfth Night eventually. <laughs> right. I hate I, that play. I like it. We like will it. do uh, Romeo and Juliet Part Two. Yeah, your job for Twelfth Night is to not just constantly scream, "I hate this play." Wrong. <laughs> okay. So there are other adaptations, notably Ron, which is an Akira Kurosawa. Akira Kurosawa. Yes, Ron. Um, oh. He had some amazing Shakespeare adaptations that he directed. We'll talk about another one that was amazing when we get to Mackers. Um, but Ron is really good. Um, and Akira Kurosawa is an amazing director and is well worth seeing the Eastern perspective on the Western canon. Yep. Well, and he, so there's Ron and there's Throne of Blood. There are, is there another one? I think that might be it. But Kurosawa did some neat like adaptations of Shakespeare and I just Oh think yeah, and his amazing. cinematography is amazing. Um, and like I said, it's really it's really interesting to see the eastern the eastern take on the western canon and and to see how through a completely different lens that you you can view the work. There's also Patrick Stewart the King of Texas. Yep. Which is an adaptation. And then um, one that I feel is important to bring up. Um, we all love Brad Neely, right? Yes. With it, Wizard People, Brad Neely. Yes. yes. He did Baby Cakes. He's a play. <laughs> which is also an adaptation of King Lear. Kind of. Um, but my favorite is Christopher Moore wrote a book called The Fool. Called Fool. In which it follows the character of the fool throughout the story of King Lear. So it's his perspective on it. So you got a lot of interesting things in the, like what's going on behind the scenes with the servants, things like that. And then it goes on to 
the Serpent of Venice, where the fool then travels to Venice and runs through those plays, which I think is interesting because I like it when you think about I love the idea that there's a back Beth, stage. Do you, do you like fools? Shut up. Well, and also, but I just the, like the idea that there's and a also the, 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 inter- yeah, yeah, yeah. the interconnectedness the interconnectedness yeah. of the Shakespeare theatrical I love universe. A good crossover. The SETU, the Shakespeare Extended Theatrical Universe. We just finished watching Crisis yeah. on Infinite Earth, and by watching, I mean I sat there on the couch while Chris watched. So there are, to my knowledge, no web series um, or YA adaptations. However, I'd be really impressed if there was a YA adaptation however, of Lear. <laughs> However, the hands-down greatest adaptation of King Lear that exists is a um, young person's play. It is called Game of Tiaras, and I'm going to read the description to you. I'm going to need to produce that. (laughs) Game of Tiaras by Don Zelitas. When the aging king of a magical kingdom, England, decides to split his empire between his three daughters, Cinderella, Belle, and the Snow Queen, yes. who in no way resemble copyrighted characters, terrible tragedy ensues. Oh terrible, hilarious God. tragedy. Combining the gut-wrenching plot twists of Game of Thrones and the soul-numbing despair of Shakespearean tragedy, this adaptation of King Lear will leave you dying with laughter as the body count mounts. When you play the game of tiaras, you win or you die. Um, I got to see an excerpt of this show performed at Octa Junior last fall, and it is fucking hilarious. Oh, well, that sounds pretty great. It, it doesn't try to be anything other than what it is. Like, it's very self-aware, and there is literally a character who is called Blood Packet Guy, and his job is just to run around and throw blood on everybody who dies. And like it's it. the best role in the show. So the way that the theater that we saw um, portrayed him was a guy dressed all in red with like a red sweatband in his hair. And like he had. A, We've got to lean into it. If you're going to play oh no, blood packet guy. He had a bandolier. Nice. Of um, red like streamers and crepe paper. And it was attached to a satchel at the side. And so he would run on it and just like. All right. So what I'm looking for is a theater out there that is willing to let me direct about a 90 to 100 minute play for young people called The Game of Tierras. If you um, hit us up, you know of one. <laughs> and like, I'll I want to make honest, this happen. I'll give up all my free time to do this. This, this we, sounds legit. When that- we got the listing of the shows that were performing at Octa Junior last year, my kids and myself were like, Game of Tiaras, that sounds like the dumbest thing ever. And then we saw it and we're like, no, this is this shit is great. So uh, Cassie, this is amazing. Cassie does love King Lear. She just uh, likes it when it's done flippantly. I, I do. So oh, Cassie, Cassie believes you can only do this play incredibly seriously. Or with a guy or, throwing red crepe paper around the stage. Or incredibly, incredibly absurdly. So now we've found Cassie's oh, wheelhouse. And, and here's the thing. Um, Edmund the Bastard is the Little Mermaid. <sighs> I really want to do this play. <laughs> I don't think that my theater will let me. I find, I find this excellent. Do I have enough members of Lion Face to bring um, it back? I I mean, you could probably talk to certain members of a certain youth theater organization here in Bowling Green. And Cassie, uh-huh. can I track this for Horizon? 
Well, Horizons next season is already planned, and it's very prominently the message of anti-fascism. Um, how about next year? Okay, well, Possibly. I support that. I support that. Let's go. I'm I'm literally directing two plays next season. Probably this is pending official board approval, but I pretty much have board approval already. I'm directing uh, two shows next season that are both about Nazis and how they're bad. Can I can I punch Nazis? With Horizon Youth Theater kids? Not if they are under the age of 18. No, if they're but under the age of 18, they can't be... It's not going to be on their permanent record. It's best if no, it's no, no. them. You can't punch them if they're playing Nazis and they're under 18. Oh, no, no, no. I want to take the Horizon Youth Theater kids and on a field trip to go find Nazis to punch. Are you just going to walk around down to Toledo going, this. Are you a Nazi? Are you a Nazi? You are? Punch! I know where to find them. I could, I could go to the east side... Stay off my turf. I go to a Trump rally. That's where I'll find him. I put the marker down. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> so let's pull this back together and get some final thoughts. Because I think we're at time. Yeah, probably. We're, yeah. we're an hour. Yeah. So final thoughts. I think that there are two plays here that have been forced into one play and don't play well with each other. And that, I think, is driving why I don't enjoy this one at all. And I had a hard time reading it. How about you, Ryan? Final thought. Uh, I mean, it's too long, right? So there are lots of parts of the text that you can cut. I do really enjoy this play. Um, it is incredibly important to the the canon of Shakespeare. Lear is... The character of Lear is incredibly important to the can- canon of Shakespeare. And... Um, I think there's a lot of ways that you can go with it, and I think the study of mental illness, Alzheimer's, dementia, um, you know, is an incredibly important thing that you can do with the text that wouldn't have been done in Shakespeare's time. Um, this was a tragedy, though. This is a tragedy. It's not, this isn't written for laughs. Um, there are laughs in it, but, uh, I think ultimately, you you can, depending on how you direct it, you can take this several ways, but you can make this what it should be. Um, and it really is good. It is long, though. It is long. I think I really get a great deal of love for this play from the clever wordplay that's used throughout it. Well, I you feel- have Kent, you have The Fool. I mean, there's some great stuff. I feel of the plays I've read of his, I think the reason that I love Lear so much is because of how cleverly it's written. There is a lot of amazing lines in here, and there are some great speeches. Um, And I love some of the ridiculous aspects of it, and I think that would be fun to play. Um, But you're right, it's long. And there's not a lot of redeemable characters, but many of our tragedies are like that. There's just like, no, I don't like anybody who's in this play. That's how Pericles was. I fucking hated everybody in that play. I think one of the things that sold it on me is actually one of the adaptations. Um, good to go back to the slings and arrows. That season, the actor who they always bring in some actor to play whoever the lead in their their show is. You know, it was Hamlet. They brought in some Hollywood guy, and Mackers. They brought in some Shakespeare guy, and the they guy did it all with fire. No lights, only fire. Horses don't like the fire. We learned that the hard way, didn't we, Ellen? Um, but the guy who plays Lear in season three is an old 
like washed up actor and he's a heroin addict and he is himself going crazy throughout the entire season and i think that's one of the things that i love about it because it mirrors the text and i think that's one of the reasons that i do like i don't quite love it the way that beth does but i do hold like a like there is definitely a like a spot in my heart for and I've never seen this one performed, and maybe that's part of it. It is long, though. Like, You've got to cut it. You maybe if I saw it, I'd feel differently. But I, I know that this is one of this is like one of the big ones. This is one of the big, you know, well-known, frequently done Shakespeare. It's one of the. It's big three tragedies. In it's fact, one tragedies. of those eight times Five. that Oregon Shakespeare Festival did it, I saw it at the Black Swan. It was very good. But it, my, it, it my goes question, in the big three as far as tragedies, yeah, yeah. Shakespearean tragedies. It's in the big three. But my question that I I honestly don't have an answer that I've been able to supply myself. I don't know why. I don't know why this one sticks out that high in the hierarchy compared to some of the other ones because I find other tragedies more compelling than this one. And so don't I Don't you dare say just, Romeo and Juliet. No, not Romeo and Juliet, but um which is still one of the big ones. It's not one of the big 3. The big 3 are Hamlet, Mackers and Lear. It is still one of the big It's when you say Shakespeare people go Hamlet or they go Romeo and Juliet. Because they're Gnomes fucking have Philistines. Gnomes have adapted it. But I I, I don't fucking find... trust gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Don't bring nothing. your fucking gnomish horse shit in here. I don't give a fuck about fucking gnomes running around with pointy hats and fucking Amish beards. Fuck gnomes. And What's wrong okay. with you? Okay, gnomes okay, okay. I'm making a serious point. <gasps> um, I personally, I don't find this play terribly compelling. And maybe that's because it's not for me. Maybe that's because this is the play that exists for those Shakespearean male actors who want to look forward 20 years and be reassured that they still have a job at that point. But to me, that's the only reason I can find is because this is the show that gives an opportunity for older Shakespeare actors at the end of their career that it's kind of become like this is how you put that final piece of punctuation on your career as a Shakespearean actor is to do Lear. That so makes it's a, sense. It's a swan song. Yeah. Um, and, and I personally... Howl is the reason. Yeah. Don't find that compelling, but that's you. It. You need to see Howl performed well. Okay. Because... That's valid. Because when it is, it can... It's visceral, and it will pull you in. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest draws of the play is that scene. That part of the play is why people show up, is why they come see the play. A lot of it is forgettable, and I totally agree with you that okay. there's a lot of it that's not compelling. But when... Lear is on the moor, and him and Kent and the fool. That is some of the most compelling theater that you can perform. 
And I think that's that's it. And that's what people remember about the play. And that's why people look at it fondly. Okay. I know for me, that's one of the reasons I look at it fondly is because when you when you see that performed well, it's just it sticks with you. And it's 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 a it's someone just fucking knowing that they are at the fucking they have no control over anything and they are howling into the void. Well, and it doesn't have to be men either. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a man. And I, I specifically said someone. It yeah. does not have to be a man. It could. Like, I would love to see Dame Helen Mirren play Lear. I think Emma Thompson. I'd love to see Maggie Smith. Oh, Emma Thompson. I think be. Emma Thompson is oh, Emma doing Thompson? it or has done it recently. I was like, Emma Thompson? Yeah, sure. Totally. I'm trying I would, to look it up to Kate find out Blanchett, when I thought that uh, happened. Yeah. I mean, Dame, Dame Helen Mirren, Dame Maggie Smith. Like, I mean, there are some, like, fuck, Dame Judi Dench would be an amazing leader. No, I want to see Maggie Smith cut the fuck loose. Oh. But, oh, yeah, Maggie Smith would rip this to shreds. She would murder it. Um, there you go. And, and that's the thing. is, it, Like, it doesn't have to be a man. Anyone. You, the only thing that matters is the age, right? Right, yeah. You have to be older, because a big part of Lear is that everything is slipping away from you. I remember now why Emma Thompson and Lear were stuck together in my mind. Uh, it's because she was in that Anthony Hopkins <laughs> She is. She's a Goneril? Yeah. Yeah, she plays Goneril oh in God. the Anthony Hopkins Lear. Which is on Amazon Prime. Okay. You could watch it if you wanted. And Anthony Hopkins is real good. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's, it is long. And it is, there are large parts of it that aren't compelling. And I but totally agree with you. I really there are parts of it when performed well can destroy you. I think that's the draw of Lear. All right. Well, then I will, I don't like this play. And I'm not telling right you, now, I'm not telling you you I, have to. It is, for me, it was not an enjoyable read, but I will table slightly my like supreme dislike until I can see it performed because this may definitely be one of those Shakespeare moments where this just doesn't work on the page as well as it does. Like I said, even on, even on stage or on screen, there are large parts of it that you can get rid of. Um, but I'm not trying to convince you to like it, but I think, I think that you will understand better why people do when you have seen it performed. Well, yeah, all right. I think that's Lear. I think that, I think that is, and I, I honestly, I think we went. I, I ended up talking way more at the end than I thought I was going to. There. What? Well, I asked you a big question. You did. You did. I led you into it. All right. Well, like Edgar leading his blind father off of a fake cliff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wasn't that far of a fall. We all knew it was coming. That happened. But hey, when your eyes been gouged out by a guy named Cornwall. Oh, fuck. Oh, dicks. This is a fucking play. All right, well, this has been Shakespeare. I think my favorite take from this is that the reason this, that the servant got involved in that is that he was like, fuck, I have to clean that fucking butt up. I have to clean that fucking butt up. Get this guy out of here before I got to clean out like his I, tongue, too. If I ever get the chance to direct it and it comes time for that scene, I'll be like, all right, here is your Here's motivation. Here's your motivation. <laughs> fuck, I got to clean this. You're going to end. You don't have. You sit at the read through and you go, <laughs> no, forget you, Kent. Forget you, Lear. Forget you, Goneril and Regan. We're focusing on First Servant. He is the most important character in this entire production. Oh, fuck. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right, this has been Shakespeare. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfill. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm Chase Greenlee. (laughs) 
<laughs> Fucking say good night. Just John imagine boy. squishing an eyeball. Ooh. No, no, we can't go. Hey, no, okay, okay, podcast is over. Moose out front should have told you better than that. <laughs> oh, dicks. Uh, Moose out front should have told you. <laughs> This has been a Ghostlight Media production.